Hello and welcome to the Football Collective Podcast, a football research podcast for debate, discussion, highlighting members of the collective, their research and all things football within the world of academia. Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Football Collective Podcast. On this episode, we're joined by Dr Dan Parnell from the University of Liverpool and Dr Danny Fitzpatrick from Aston University. In this episode, we will be discussing the evidence they've submitted on behalf of the Football Collective to the Select Committee for the DCMS's call for evidence, Sport in Our Community. First of all, if one of you can just give us a short bio of, of what this entails and, and what you've submitted this for, and then we'll get fired into the details of that a little bit further. The motivation really for submitting the evidence is, is obviously in the context of what's happening with COVID and it, it, it's kind of exposed and shone a light on the issues and kind of inequities within the game. And I think what when me and Dan have been have talked over the last few months and um, for a number of years, I think one thing that was struck, struck us was the kind of the absence or the, the lack of attention within this kind of wider debate around governance on what happens with grassroots football. And I, I think it's that kind of neglect. And, you know, even within, you know, even within the kind of more progressive debate within, within you know, the governance of the game and what the future of the governance of the game should be, there's a real lack of attention paid, I think, to the grassroots. And that's what I kind of wanted to address. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point on which to start. So if you just want to tell us a little bit about the state of grassroots before um, the pandemic and what we're, what impact we're expecting if action's not taken relevant to the recommendations you've made. I think what, what we've seen, we've had decades of um, mismanagement. We've had decades of no genuine value placed on grassroots sport. At the same time, I've probably had mismanagement of some of these pitches too, and we've had a disconnect between um, strategic, uh, so national and local governments, but also national and local sport bodies. There's been lack, that lack of joined up thinking and working. Alongside that, we've had this tension because we haven't, we've got a housing crisis that we've probably had for about 60 years or more that we haven't really dealt with. So as this housing stock has continued uh, to not being able to meet the demands of the population, We've had this tension between conserving our, our pitches and also building new houses. This creates loads of problems. Fast forward it a bit to like 10 years ago. Uh, things were in a, in, a, in a steady decline. So if I said it was like this, it was steady decline. Then it went sharply down because 10 years ago, um, 12 year, years ago, we had the economic downturn. And then 10 years ago, we, we somehow in the UK got a, a coalition government of the Conservative Party and the Liberal Democrats that brought in a wave of policies that have been detrimental to this country in a whole host of areas. One of the big ones was £81 billion worth of cuts to public spending. So we took away loads of vital services in the public, well, lots of vital public services, which affected um, the the grassroots sport ecosystem. So whether that's uh, leisure centres or libraries or whatever that got cut, yeah. It also meant cuts to sport and leisure. So sport is is a discretionary service. So it's not protected as a result of that. that was, it's easy just to take away. So we've got to make hard decisions. So just get rid of grassroots sport that, um, or the support for grassroots sport. So what did that had a number of knock-on effect, effects? Um, I mean, I tried to dis- describe it in a number of ways. So first off, 
what this means for a grassroots pitch. So probably for the past 30 years, a grass, grassroots pitch hasn't really been developed. It's just been, we've protected the space and put the lines on and cut the grass. We haven't really sorted the drains. We haven't really done, redone the services. We haven't done all the stuff that takes proper care and maintenance. We've just kept the pitch going. The past 10 years, what we've done is, whereas you might have had the first one, might you might have had like some, some old fella called Jimmy and he'd be working for the local authority and he'd been doing it for 20 years and he wouldn't just cut your grass. What do you do? He would speak to the people running the, running the pitches and he would also then, he'd pinch a bit of manure from the rose beds and the roundabouts and he'd put that over over this over the gold mouth service so we'd look after it you'd have that care and you'd have that goodwill what we've done is got rid of all those people all that human capital and replaced it with uh, the private sector less people with less hours on less money and they're working to target so they'll be cutting down the sides of a motorway then where's in the lawnmower over the football pitches and then getting off so the pitches aren't even getting maintained to what they were they're just degrading so that's happened alongside that we've then had the with the quality of pitches going down because of that outsourcing, uh, we've had an increase in cancel matches, and that's been, you know because of we've, we've improved the 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 risk assessments done by referees, but we've also raised our expectations of what we want from pitches for our for our younger players. Um, there's been increased costs by local authorities, which is madness given they're putting less investment in on the Whittle in particular. Particular to rent a pitch, it, the percentage rise has been incredible. It's been ridiculous. Reduce sponsorship opportunities because of the economic downturn. So it's increased the cost for your subs or increased the cost for the player who's had a worse experience because matches are getting cancelled, the pitches are rubbish. Um, so generally, we've seen more players then walk away. So what we've got is we've systematically moved people, pushed people away from playing sport, playing football because of just this poor experience. And in terms of that, you know, that being a false economy, it's ridiculous. And we'll get into the evidence, I'm sure. But with a, a modest investment, we've, we've taken away those uh, modern savings. We've taken away the opportunities for people to play, which is going to have a long-term consequence for us, our communities, and football, and, and also the NHS. I would, I would almost say you, you can't really speak about the governance of the grassroots game in a kind of in a true sense of the way, because what you've got is a system of of disincentives to invest in grassroots and manage it properly, not incentives. So you look at, the way I look at it, I think, who is who's actually accountable for grassroots? Well, I suppose formally the FA is, but the FA will say, well, we haven't got control of them facilities. The local authorities have got control of them facilities. The local authority will say, well, we'd love to invest more in grassroots sports, but it's not a statutory responsibility, it's discretionary. And we've had, you know, 60 to 70 percent cuts in our central budgets. So, it's, you know, we, we'd like to do more, but we can't do more. So who is actually accountable for it? And that is the crux of the problem is you get an, an issue, um, whether it's a service or a problem where there isn't a clear line of accountability. No one really has ownership of it. Then you're always going to run into problems. Um, and. You know, it's called grassroots sport for the reason in that most of the things happen from the bottom up. They are organic, but you do need you need a social infrastructure there to allow people to kind of contribute and allow communities to kind of come together and make things work. If there isn't an infrastructure there to do it, then you know people will fight a losing battle, maybe for ten years, maybe if you're lucky, twenty years. But 
he won't do it forever because people will just, as athletic people, would just kind of fall away. And and grassroots sport relies on that kind of volunteer workforce. And if you keep putting those disincentives there in front of people, you know, it will come to a time. And if you see it all the time, you know, kind of people being walked away. But there will be a kind of a, you won't come back from that. Uh, and I can see that. I can see, you know, local leagues closing and, and they don't return. So I think we are reaching a bit of a, a tipping point in terms of what is really, you know, is someone really going to kind of pay attention and do something about this or not? In the prep for this, you mentioned comparisons with the model in Denmark of their grassroots football. What can we implement from, and what can we take, sorry, and implement from the Danish model into the English model? Some of the evidence just shows from uh, men's football playing grassroots is like a, a 10 billion value placed on it for the UK government with 2 billion direct benefits. And there's also there's evidence to show that, that just by men playing grassroots football, it saves 34 million for the NHS in terms of um, in terms of reducing GP visits. So it kind of makes sense. There's evidence there of what works. And the Denmark, why I'm interested in it, so we've got this footballers medicine platform and it's research is all around the world, but it's led by one of my close colleagues, Professor Peter Kustrup at the University of Southern Denmark. Now, those guys, they, they're fascinating because they, they create policy based on evidence, which makes sense, but somehow we're miles away from that. So the Danish population, it's, it's different. It's an incredible country. There's, there's 5.7 million people. But some of the key things, it's one of the healthiest countries in the EU. It's the second most active. And, you know, why is that? So if we unpick it a little bit with sport, it's got the second most sport clubs. Um, so it has one sports club per 350 people. It has the highest number of sports facilities. So there's a footy pitch for every 1,000 people. Now, the key here is who is this funded by? It's funded by government. Why are they funding it? because it makes sense to, there's evidence to say it's good for health. If you have an active population, not just active in playing, but active in community activities, whether it's friendships, happiness, all things that cost money when you don't have it because you have depression, anxiety, lack of support, social isolation, all these things, it makes sense that they've invested into it as part of their policy, not because they they want players playing uh, in the top division of Danish football, which they do and which no doubt helps, because it's good for society whereas us we have that evidence of financial which you think would be enough for government to say i'm gonna say you know we haven't even got the the data on what how good you know kids grassroots football is all this that saves money for for gps surely we should make the pitches better at least but we don't do that and it, it i brought back to this canadian sociologist arthur franks I'm sorry for making it academic, but he, t- he says we might get more evidence, but it doesn't mean with, with more evidence we make more ethical, responsible decisions for our communities, for our society. And at the minute in the UK, we're not using this evidence. So for me, it's almost like, what's the point of getting more? Now's the time for action and change. And we need to, our government needs to put things in place to allow our communities to be more resilient for the social and health um, challenges that we face and at the minute. We're nowhere near close of it. If anything, we're, we're saying to grassroots sports, we're just cut, cutting them off. We're cutting them off. Let At the minute, with, with COVID, we're saying, okay, we're, we're letting every tier play grassroots sports. But it's not really, you know, we're almost saying, we'll leave you to yourselves and see, see what happens. We're not really helping them as a strategically to make it a benefit to the country and make it benefit to our communities. Yeah, I think I think what I'm saying is that if you can do that comparison, Denmark, where you do, you know, the comparisons often made with Germany, 
the big the big discrepancy that you know the, the big difference is that you know sport is a statutory responsibility in Germany. That's that's why it's invested in. And I think that gets to the nub of the problem. Now I I'll be quite critical of the FA and I'll be quite critical of the Premier League. And the argument is and and in some ways the, the argument that well there's enough money in football, you know, that it should all flow down and we should have better facilities. That's okay in theory. But the counter I would say is, well, the UK is what the fifth, sixth biggest economy. So there's enough money in the UK to have a proper, vibrant grassroots sports system. So that's, that's to me, that argument has equal weight. And I think, I think the kind of money that's flown into football, it kind of it muddies the waters a little bit and it confuses the issue because it allows government to say, well, you know, the, the broadcasting deals the Premier League are, you know, X amount of billions. So why can't you invest? Okay, fair enough. But that that doesn't, for me, that doesn't kind of relieve them of their own responsibility. And it's not just about football. That's, I think, another problem with the way UK government thinks. It's, it, you have this very kind of sectoral kind of mindset. Why are, they, why are they thinking about what should happen in terms of grassroots sports generally within the community and really invest in it? But what I think... What I can see over the last 20 years, 25 years, what they've done is they've created arm's length bodies like Sport England, which apply pressure and do give funding or conditional funding and apply pressure on the national governing bodies to do more. And that's OK to an extent. But at some point, government needs to take a fundamental responsibility for sports participation. And I don't think, you know, throughout the history in the UK, it's ever really done that. And no government has really ever kind of taken hold of that and ran with it. Just add to that really quickly, Dan. I, I think I agree. So this isn't a this isn't a digs at the, the the bodies that have been put in place to make a difference. All we're saying is that they haven't got enough power to make a difference and enough resources. And we know they're saying more isn't always better. Totally get that. But these organisations do well with the money that they've got. Whether it's a football foundation, Sport England, let's equip them to to do more or have something different that really champions grassroots sports. Let's stop linking the Premier League to grassroots sport. The Premier League's a beast that gives billions to the in, in, in tax to the exchequer each year. That's fine if they want to keep that beast going. But let's treat grassroots sport different. So every girl and boy that, that steps on the pitch, it isn't always just about the Premier League. It's about kicking a ball. It's about playing with friends. It's about spraying a Casey across the pitch. All the things that we love. It's not always about making it. It's not always about being in front of Bielsa or Ancelotti. It's about just that spirit and identity of playing in your local community, which is lost. I think the politicians make that close link and say, OK, we need to wait for the Premier League. No, we don't. We need to do something else. I think that's a really good point on which to move on to this one um, in, in terms of talking about action and what grassroots should be as its own entity. So in your recommendations, you mentioned a grassroots football um, review. What would you like to see from this review to complement the fan-led review pledged in the 2019 Conservative Manifesto? Well, I think the key thing for me is um, I'd like to see grassroots, and obviously grassroots is not one single entity. That's, that's another thing, you know, what is grassroots and what are we actually talking about when we are talking about grassroots? And there can be different things. And within that, are we talking about kind of you know, non-league? Are we talking about community football? Are we talking about actually you know, not organised football, more informal football, which I think is important, that completely gets left out. And that, that is one area of massive decline. So I think 
a kind of a root and branch review of actually what do we mean and what do we want to target and where it's going to where needs most investment and where will have the most payoff and and then kind of discussions and actual representation for those different interests because I suppose in some ways the the FA and the county FAs they are I suppose the rep, the representatives not the elected representatives but the representatives of the grassroots but they either don't have a strong enough voice because of the the power of the clubs and, and the Premier League and the professional game and actually they don't I don't feel like personally they really champion grassroots I think they obviously have their own interests for example to give an example what I mean is if, if you are the county FA you want to grow your formally organised leagues whether that's women's league or girls leagues or men's leagues where does that leave the opportunity to play football informally that's not really within the FA's remit so they're not really interested in that so who represents those interests so I think within that FA the fan-led review or as a kind of a parallel to that there should be a kind of a grassroots um, led review because otherwise I'd say it'll just be a missed opportunity so I think that that representation is paramount for me Is it? It's about having that, that, that grassroots football led review looking at governance and ownership it's about having a body to champion grassroots football and to help give that leadership to it and to make sure that the voice, you know what you know what happens when people sit around the table. If you don't have someone championing that voice, the, when the resources are divided up, they don't get that resources unless you're there to champion them. So we need to have that. We've talked about a levy uh, for grassroots football on TV rights that's also 100, 100% match funded by government. I think one thing that we, we didn't include, but Keenan Maguire did include, our good friend at the University of Liverpool, he talks about this, this levy on... Um, on bet on football betting as well, and how that can be used for sports. I think we should. I, don't, I think the door's not closed. We need to be creative. We need to have these options. In a separate submission with uh, the European Healthy Stadium Network, that's based in Liverpool but works globally, not just across Europe. One of the big things we put, and we shouldn't ignore this, is also we need to reverse some of these austerity policies. We've absolutely battered communities, and football and sport and grassroots sport doesn't happen in isolation. It happens within that broader ecosystem in our communities, in our society. So if we really want to do some about, something about this as well, we need to tackle some of those big issues and reverse some of the, the, the damaging, horrendous uh, policies that have affected individuals, families and communities. I think then we can then start to look at what, 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 we, would, what we would do or what this type of organisation, what this funding could be spent on. Yeah, because I think, I think on that the point about the representative body, that was something that we really we did kind of uh, push for and, and advocate in in the submission. I think one of the things with grassroots football is kind of, you know, what you might call in political science, like a, cl- a classic kind of collective action problem. You've got, you know, thousands and thousands of different actors who don't really have a connection to each other. Even the county FAs are, you know, in some ways different actors who are not always acting in concert. There isn't actually, you know, one voice or one representative body talking for the grassroots. And that's why it kind of gets marginalised. One thing we said was maybe some kind of ombudsman or some kind of other champion body, or, or, you know, or it might, might be a single person, it might be a board for the grassroots. In a similar way, kind of what what I what we I mean, I'm discussing in a similar fashion was to what happened as a result of the football task force at the end of the 1990s, which led to the setting up of Sports Direct, which is now kind of you know morphed into. Football Support Associations, 
And that kind of that's been a game changer in terms of representing fans' voices. And it, without that, we wouldn't be at the stage we are now, where it looks like you know the Conservative Party's promised a fan-led review. If something similar needs to happen for the grassroots game before you know before it withers away. One of the most common discussions in football, wherever you go, people talking about money being filtered down from the Premier League. I know we've, we've mentioned that um, from TV rights. And a lot of people sort of say it in a, an empty sense without really having any action behind that. So can you explain to us uh, that recommendation, how the money can actually be filtered down in... I think we're not just talking about it just being filtered down from the Premier League. I think we need other options as too, as well as focusing on government. I guess one of the key things is, is, is what do we do with this money? Now, the review would help inform what needs to be done. But I think thinking thinking ahead and trying to think critically is that we would need to be using existing and new data to ensure like a targeted, tailored approach that attends to national strategic needs, but also at, at a local level to the, 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 to the improve the football ecosystem for grassroots sports. We need to have some, this body that will scrutinise those key bodies, the FA, the English Premier League Football Foundation, Sport England, the Department of Culture, Media, Sports, and really challenge them to do better and make sure this stays part of the agenda. We need to direct research and development. So that's about targeting resources, but also reflecting on whether things are working to improve them or change the plan and start something new. And then we need to, like, one thing that the grassroots sports probably missing, and we have this in pockets, and it might appear in pockets of different platforms on social media or different local groups, but we need to share best practice as well. And we need a platform that allows a community of practice for different agendas that relates to grassroots sport, grassroots football to emerge. And that needs that leadership. It needs those resources to put those in place and then people to champion it. Um, we're in a, an environment of lots of cuts. We need to start to make grassroots sports and grassroots football not just about a, the sport, but it's about society, it's about health, and it's about it's about creating a, a better, more healthy, healthy nation. And to do that, we need to shift that agenda and and not just talk about the sport, but talk about what it's doing in, in, in the towards broader policy goals too. Yeah, I think one of the things we noted in the in the submission was that football, the way it's discussed in the media, and in, you know, I, I watched the, the Westminster Hall debate earlier this week, the way it's discussed by you know interested kind of political stakeholders is that it's 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 a matter of consumption rather than participation and that's how it's seen now it's seen and, and that's partly due to kind of some positive changes in the way in, in the way in which kind of fan engagement has improved but it's seen as a matter of consumption something you consume something that you spectate rather than fundamentally something you actually play and participate in and that that shift in the bait i think that needs to happen and what I think about is what body has got the fundamental primary interest to grow grassroots football? Now, again, you might think that's the FA, but it was interesting that the FA, in their submission to the previous uh, DCMS Select Committee on the impact of COVID, said their priority was to restart the Premier League because without restarting the Premier League, there's effectively no money. And that therein is the problem. The Premier League is fundamentally and always the primary first kind of priority. And that is a problem. I think, you know, governments should take responsibility and say, grassroots is our thing, and that's our primary interest. Or the FA should, and if it does, then it needs reform. That, that is what's needed. Someone who has actually got ownership and accountability for what happens. And at the moment, there's a lack of that ownership and accountability. 
Well, just the final question from me. Thank you both for your time. The final recommendation is an examination of how sport and leisure should shift from a discretionary service to a statutory service within local authorities as part of a greater political leadership and genuine investment in sport and our communities. So can you elaborate a little bit further on this and detail why this is important for sport and physical activity across the nation as a whole? So, so for, for me, this is really simple. I think this is about finances and it's about priority and making, if, if we make sport and leisure a statutory service, it means it demands resources and a piece of the pie. At the minute, as a discretionary service, it's not included in, in those in those accounts and people don't need to invest in it. Um, so for me, it's that, that really simple, and I'll keep that short, to say we move into a statutory service, it means it takes a higher priority and we can start to look at it um, you know, rather than have a politician come out by during election time and do a few keep-ups and say how important grassroots sport is. No, let's make it a statutory service. Let's really invest in it. Let's show that we genuinely think it's valuable. And then, and then from that, we will hopefully then see some kind of positive change. It won't be, it won't be the answer, but it's a start to develop and something that we, we hope to leave you know, for the next generation and the future. I think that would be the biggest change that could be made. If we want to be pessimistic, and you've had 10 years of austerity, lots of those people and um, kind of experts and bodies that were working with or around or you know within local authorities in terms of sports have been lost. So the last starting from kind of scratch almost, so that makes it difficult. The other thing is obviously you've got a new wave of likely cuts to local authorities coming you know, off the back of COVID, which may last for 10 years or more, likely. So I'm kind of pessimistic. The only kind of hope I've got is that the UK government can be shamed into it by what devolved assemblies do. So if they take a real lead, I think that that could be a bit of a stimulus, a bit of a game changer. And also, one thing we've noticed recently is the growing importance and power of Metro mayors. And I think they could also be, particularly someone like Andy Burnham, who's had you know, such kind of close relations. He was involved. He was the administrator on the original football task force. You know, he's a football fan himself. If some, if someone like that kind of thought, well, we're going to make a priority and we're going to do something different and kind of almost run it as an experiment, that could lead to kind of that being emulated in different parts of the country. But I'm very pessimistic about the UK government, particularly the current one, making this a priority in the current climate and with their kind of track record in terms of sport. Thank you.